0: Hello and welcome along to the Southampton Audio Programme for today's game against Sheffield Wednesday. In today's issue we have a look over your opposition, an update on the Southampton women's team, but first a word from your manager Russell Martin. Dear Saints fans, it's great to be back at St Mary's for the fourth time in five games as we host Sheffield Wednesday in the Skybet Championship this afternoon. The FA Cup victory over Walsall took us to eight consecutive home wins in all competitions, which just goes to show how much the players are enjoying the St Mary's atmosphere on every match day this season. Today, we face a dangerous Sheffield Wednesday side who have hit some really good form in recent weeks. We know Danny Roll worked here alongside Ralph, doing some really impressive work, and everyone I speak to who came into contact with him has only good things to say about him as a coach. Sheffield Wednesday's fortunes have transformed since he took on the role as manager, And we need to be ready for the challenges of facing a very different animal to the one we came up against on the opening night of the season at Hillsborough. That was a memorable win for us, our first taste of three points together. I remember feeling really proud of how quickly the players had adapted to what we were asking them to do, which is so different to what has come before. We kept playing our way, we didn't panic when they equalised against the run of play, got the late winner with Shay's goal, and managed the game incredibly well to see the game out. Since then, I feel we've improved a lot. It is with tremendous gratitude that I watch these players evolve together, constantly striving to get better with a great environment of wanting each other to do well, day in, day out. That can carry you a long way in football. For us, the Walsall win took us to 19 games unbeaten in all competitions, leaving us one short of equaling a record as a football league club that has stood for more than 100 years. That would be something to be really proud of, but our attitude is always to win, not just to avoid defeat. And that will be the mindsets, not only today, but in every game that lies ahead of us as a group. To make nine changes against Walsall and still achieve the level of performance that we did, underlined what a good place we're in with the motivation levels of each and every player in the squad. I was delighted for our academy players. Jaden Magoma was outstanding on his home debut, 17 years old. Wow! Sam Amo Amayor, also 17. It's already started for us in the league for us, but shows how much we think of him and can be really proud of his performance too. Tyler Dibbling is another special talent who gave everyone a glimpse of what he can do when he came on, and Cameron Bragg too. He's been training with us and gained a really good understanding very quickly of what we want from his position. He really earned his debut. They all deserve their opportunity, as did Joe Lumley, who kept a clean sheet and showed amazing calmness with the ball at his feet to help us build attacks. As a manager, you want competition for places and tough decisions to make, which is what we've got at the moment. Now we have to continue working really hard to keep improving whilst picking up results and with the help of your support, keep this run of home wins going. We march on. Time now for your Southampton women's update. Southampton FC women return to action after their winter break with a trip to Sunderland in the Adobe Women's FA Cup fourth round. Mary and Spacey Cale side travel to the Appleton Colliery Welfare ground for Sunday's encounter against their Barclays Women's Championship rivals with kick-off at 1pm. Saints secured their progression to the fourth round with a 2-1 win over South Coast rivals Portsmouth at Wesley Park. Ella Morris's dangerous cross forced on own goal before Pompey hit back through Emma Jones' header to level proceedings at the break. However, it was Gemma Purfield's second half header that proved to be the difference, as she powered home the winner after finding space at the far post. Meanwhile, Sunderland booked their place in the fourth round of the competition with a dominant 7-0 victory over fourth-tier side durham Castria. A brace apiece from Brianna Westrup and Katie Kitching, along with goals from Liz Azupi, Mary McAteer and Jenna Deere rounded off the comfortable third round tie for the Lasses. The two sides have already met in the league this season, with Sunderland coming away from St Mary's Stadium with a 1-0 win on a difficult afternoon in September. The scores were reversed in Saints' last visit to Sunderland, though, as Katie Wilkinson's solitary late strike ensured that three points returned to Hampshire. Space outside will be hoping to kickstart the new year schedule with a victory after ending 2023 with a frustrating league defeat on the road against Durham. For supporters unable to make another mammoth journey to the North East, Sunderland have confirmed that the cup Clash will be streamed live on their YouTube channel. It was a long way to the South Coast and back again for Ryan Fraser. By his own admission, the Scots arrived at St Mary's with a point to prove, but his flying form is giving former teammate food for thought, a Saint stand on the brink of rewriting the record books. I think everyone can see how much I'm enjoying it. It's not just from that I'm putting on. I don't think I've loved football this much for a long, long, long time. Ryan Fraser's story is unique, making the long journey from the top of Britain to the bottom, leaving behind hometown club Aberdeen to join League One Bournemouth as a teenager. Taking the seaside town he still calls home to dizzying new heights, the ups and downs of working under Lee Howe at two very different clubs. And now his own South Coast renaissance, his football career, has been a captivating tale. But actually, the fascination around Fraser, a man whose complex reputation is at odds with his warm, low-maintenance personality, can be traced back to a time before football was even on his radar. The diminutive winger grew up in the Middle East, living in Oman while his father worked under the oil rigs, earning a good salary to provide for his family. It was like a gated community, he recalls. They work offshore and the families would stay in houses around England speaking people just for safety and for everyone to have a good time while their partners were out making money. It's actually a really nice place but I was a bit too young to learn the language. Football was not part of the culture nor part of Fraser's thinking until he moved home to Aberdeen when it first became a hobby around the age of 14. Remarkably late for a player who has since racked up more than 300 professional appearances and 26 Scotland caps before his 30th birthday. Not once did I ever want to be a footballer at a very young age, he reveals. To be honest, I didn't really play football. I didn't really watch football when I was younger. My dad had a little kick around with me, but no one in my family were massive football fans. If you were to ask my dad what the offside rule was when I was starting to play football, he probably wouldn't have been able to tell you. Things changed when the Fraser family returned to their roots. I think it was just lucky that I joined a boys' group and we were actually a decent team, he says modestly. Aberdeen picked up... A lot of us from those teams, and some of us made it and some of us didn't. My dad used to take me to something called a Brazilian soccer school on Thursdays, but I would train with Aberdeen first, and then I'd have a Burger King in the middle, and then I would go and train in the night as well. My dad thought he's enjoying it. He's never had a hobby before, so let's give this one a bash. There was no pressure. It's a far cry from tales of pushy parents reliving their own youth, really their children. Fraser felt free of expectation. He didn't carry the burden of feeling like he had to make it. After all, this was not a lifelong goal he was pursuing. Yet, he still found a way to live the dream. He was in the Aberdeen first team at 16, only two years after he started playing football regularly. Having already lived on the other side of the world, albeit with his family, perhaps the 600-mile relocation to Bournemouth was less daunting, but Fraser was still only 18 at the time. I didn't know how to cook. I didn't really know what independence was. Cleaning your own clothes, going to the shop and buying your own stuff, so... It was different, but it was something that I just took in my stride, he smiles. A lot of people raised their eyebrows when I went to League One with Bournemouth when I was playing every game for Aberdeen at such a young age, but I don't know if the Saints fans want to hear it, but it was a good time in my career to join there. We did well for each other. Again, the Scot is understated in this delivery. What Bournemouth achieved was nothing short of a footballing miracle. When Fraser arrived, Eddie Howard already led the Cherries from minus 17 points in League 2 to League 1 promotion contenders. By the time he left, seven and a half years later, they had been Premier League club for five seasons. He fell in love with the South Coast straight away. 11 years on, as he takes a stroll along Bournemouth Beach on a sunny January afternoon, nothing's changed. I probably know every grain of sand off by heart, he grins. It's just a nice place to come and spend your evenings, spend your days off. what I like doing walking the dogs and drinking coffee so quite simple but once you've got views like this it's very nice. Not once when I came down from Aberdeen would I think that i finished football I'll live down here for the rest of my life but within a year or two that was the decision I made. I have family up in Aberdeen but I just love it down here so much so when I finish football this is where I'll be living. The family love it too, his parents ironically moved down while Fraser was playing his train up in Newcastle, such was the impression it made on them during his Bournemouth spell, and his partner is from the area. The conversation becomes more sensitive around Howe's considerable influence on his career, but Fraser, much like a tough tackle from a fullback, does not shirk a question. The current Newcastle boss was a big factor in attracting him to Bournemouth, and the pair were together throughout the wingers' long affiliation with the club, sharing two promotions and a highest-ever finish of ninth in the Premier League. After contributing 21 goals in the top line in 2018-2019, 7 goals and 14 assists, his form dipped the following season and, with his contract expiring, Fraser opted against signing a new deal. Bournemouth were relegated at the end of the campaign. The pair were then reunited at St James's Park 18 months later and initially seemed to be on good terms, but Fraser admits, with tangible sadness, their relationship deteriorated. At the start of my Newcastle journey with Steve Bruce, it was tough He opens up, I'm not going to speak badly of Steve Bruce, I just didn't play and it didn't work out. He's still a nice guy, but it is what it is. Then Eddie came in and we started doing well together again. We started playing every game again, Newcastle were doing well, we went on a 10 or 11 game unbeaten streak, the lads were fantastic, but then I wasn't playing again. In football you just want to play, or if you're not playing you just want to help the team in a certain way. It just came to an end, it's hard to get into because there's a lot that went on. Honestly, it is tough to speak about. By the time Fraser departed for Saints on a season-long loan late in summer transfer window, he had not played for Newcastle's first team in more than 10 months. He was training with the club's under-21 squad too. Fraser kept his counsel, but that meant he arrived at St Mary's with a tarnished reputation. From the Bournemouth situation, when I didn't sign a new deal with the club, people automatically think, does he think he's too big for Bournemouth? When that was never the case. That's probably what the outside thought, he reasons. Then, obviously, with the Eddie thing at the end, the media don't know what's happened, so they couldn't come out and say what's happened. It was just that I was down in the under-21s, so a lot of people just jumped to things. They believe what they want to believe because everyone's got an opinion. There's clearly still a huge respect from Fraser towards Howe, his mentor for so much of his career. He was unbelievable for me. I did well for him, I learned from him, so it's sad that it's ended this way, but it has ended now. It's something I'll always cherish, the years we had. It's unusual for a player with such vast experience to have played under so few managers, but Fraser needed a new boss to rediscover his love for the game. He didn't know he loved until late. Dominic Russell phoned I pushed everything to get down here. Not because I'm from down here, honestly, that was the last thing that was on my mind, he insists. It was all about playing football, all about getting promoted again, because I knew what it was like to get promoted, like I did with Bournemouth. It was an unbelievable feeling. Speaking in his first interview as a Saint on the day he signed, Fraser said, I'm just delighted to come and play football again. Put the past behind me, the club, the manager and start again. I think everyone's got something to prove. It doesn't matter where you are in your career. I'm going to give 110% and try to win people over that might have their doubts. I think if you ask fan bases, I do give my all and that's what I'll be doing here. And so it's proved. We Man's impact has been seismic. Despite starting only four league games all season, he has been a key figure throughout Saints' unbeaten run, which currently sits at 19 games in all competitions, one short of tying a record since the club joined the Football League more than 100 years ago. I think everyone can see how much I'm enjoying it. It's not just a front that I'm putting on. I don't think I've loved football this much for a long, long time, he says. It's a nice feeling because sometimes you get lost in football. You don't enjoy it as much. It's all about win, 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 win. It is still about winning, but having that enjoyment of coming up in every day, getting up and thinking, I can't wait to train today. It's a nice feeling and it just makes me and my family happy, for them as well, because they haven't seen that in a long time. The manager has mentioned it, the record, but as players we know the history, you can't take that out away from anyone. To go 20 games if we can, unbeaten in any league is some achievement. I thought when we went on 10 or 11 games and beaten at Newcastle, it was unbelievable, thinking that will would be tough to top. But to do it nearly 20 games is an unbelievable feeling, and the lads know it. We want to make history for Southampton. To do that is a massive achievement, and anyone should be proud of it. Fraser's first thing, Skull, came in the fourth game of his potentially history-making sequence. A stoppage time winner at Hull back in October. At the start, it was so hard, he recalls. In the first few games, I probably wasn't ready, but then obviously with the time and fitness, getting to know the game again, obviously getting that goal was the best feeling. The fans going mental, winning it in such a last minute fashion that you know there's no coming back from it for the other team. It's three points, the best feeling. The changing room after when you go into it, you've seen the fans reaction, the boys are talking about it. How good was that? How good was the fan reaction? Stuff like that. It was so good. Two weeks later, he repeated the defeat at Millwall, where the travelling Saints fans, including former striker James BT in the away end at the Den, had a new hero. To see legends like that celebrate your goal was special, he smiles. Whilst the goal in the nearby beaches helped Fraser settle in, it is the influence of the manager Martin that he points to, the man he played alongside for Scotland at opposing ends of their international careers, and still calls a mate. My first Scotland call-up, he was obviously there, being the more experienced pro, who took me under his wing a little bit to help me out, show me around, and we always kept in contact. I've got some stories I probably can't tell of Scotland trips, he laughs. For this club, for everyone, I just think, first and foremost, he's such a good guy, a mate, but as a manager, he's been unbelievable. Some of the philosophy I'd never even thought of before, so to see that and learn from it is unbelievable. It takes time to adapt to his way of playing, but he's a top, top manager and he'll take Southampton to where they want to go. In the past, there's been some of the managers I've had. You just speak about football and that's it. And then change room in the canteen, you don't speak to them. But with this manager, he's always there. He's always involved, always trying to make people happy, smile. And I think everyone can see that. That's why I think we're doing so well. I just think he's the perfect guy for this football club and to take us where we want to be. For all the impact off the bench, including two goals and an assist in the Boxing Day mauling of Martin's former club Swansea, Fraser still finds himself pushing for a starting berth. The last weekend's FA Cup win over Walsall did afford the inform winger a rare chance to impress over 90 minutes, as Martin made wholesale changes and his former teammate responded with another two-goal, one-assist salvo. With Samuel Odozie and Kamaldeen Suleimana currently nursing injuries, Fraser might well have played his way into the side at last, even if he remains philosophical about his chances. Honestly, we have to laugh about it because it's working, me coming off the bench, he shrugs. Everyone's got their own roles to play and whatever that role is that helps the team and benefits the team, that's all that matters. I started the game against Walsall at home and I enjoyed it, but if I'm back on the bench this weekend, then I'm back on the bench. I'll try to help the team as much as I can, come on, try and score, try and give some energy. Fraser can afford a chuckle about the reputation that goes before him, but his relationship with Martin, the manager who trusted him in his time of need, stretches beyond football. We'll never fight, honestly. We'll never fight. He laughs. We've got that relationship where he knows what's best for the team, and I want what's best for the team, and I think it works. I think if you ask people within football, I'd like to think that they say I'm a nice person. I don't know what it is. Maybe people still don't think I'm a nice person, but as long as my family and the people at Southampton think I'm nice and genuine, that's all that matters to me. I've got two objectives, he signs off. The big one is to get promoted and the second one is to sign here for as long as I can. And now it's time for the local lowdown. We asked opposition expert Joe Cran, Sheffield Wednesday journalist for the Sheffield Star, to preview this afternoon's encounter from the visitor's point of view. Wednesday won only one of their first 18 league games this season, but has since won five of their last eight. What's changed? The main thing is the manager. For a long period this season, it felt like or well, was lost for Wednesday, the general mood was incredibly low, and it was almost a resignation that relegation was going to happen come the end of the season. But Danny Roll has come in, and the uplift was almost immediate, not just in terms of performance, but also the overall feel around the place. He brought in a fantastic technical team with him, some really likeable characters, and has managed to get the buy-in of everyone, most importantly the players. Danny Rowell previously worked as Ralph Hasenutel's assistant at Southampton. What was the initial feeling around his appointment? It was mainly positive, with many fans excited to see what a young manager with Danny's CV could do. It was also the positive aspect for him, at least, that the expectation for the season had reached rock bottom, so people figured it couldn't get any worse. The fact that he'd worked for Bayern and the German national team, as well as obviously the Saints in the Premier League, just gave everyone a bit of a buzz. It's clear Danny has an impressive background in the game, especially for such a young coach. What sort of impression has he made at Hillsborough, both in terms of his coaching and personality? Remarkable, that's the best word for it. I've never seen a manager get this fan base on board with the sort of immediacy that Danny has done. It's everything about him, the things he says and the way he acts. But most importantly, the work that he's done on the pitch was obvious almost straight away. Wednesday looked a different beast after he arrived, even when the results weren't coming. But now they're playing well and picking up points. just seems to get it at Hillsborough, and the fans love him for it. Which players have stood out in Wednesday's recent resurgence? Honestly, it'd be a shorter list to say who hasn't improved during what's been called the roll at Hillsborough, with so many players stepping up to the plate and showing week in, week out improvement. Josh Windass has been excellent, aside from a short spell out with injury. Barry Bannon is looking more like himself, and Marvin Johnson has taken his chance after his early season exodus. Probably most exciting, though, is Bailey Cadamarteri. He's one of the club's most promising youngsters in years, and has taken to the championship like a duck to water. How are the fans feeling about the club's survival prospects? It fluctuates a bit in terms of whether they think they can actually achieve it or not, but it's certainly a whole lot more positive than it was a month or so ago. The general consensus is that a good January transfer window is needed, but the performances have improved so much since Danny came on, that there's a growing feeling that they can pull it off. Saints stand on the brink of equalling a long-standing unbeaten record. How do you rate Wednesday's prospects of ending that run? It's not going to be easy for Wednesday, that's for sure. It's been a really impressive uptick from you guys since the squad settled down and now you're looking like a proper force to be reckoned with. I think if you were to ask most Wednesdayites, they'd snap your hands off for a draw at St Mary's and an extension of their own, much shorter, unbeaten run. Danny and his players, though, will be after a bit more than that.